Hey everybody, this is AJ, the Media and Creative Director for Lifehouse Church. We are so glad you are checking out our most recent message, and we hope it encourages you, challenges you, and most of all, inspires you to go show the world they are loved and highly valued. Enjoy the message. you to go in your word to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. I'm sorry, I just needed that moment. I, I've been listening to myself talk, which totally takes me out of the spirit from the echo, so I just needed to spend a little more time. I hope you're okay with that. Philippians chapter 1. Verse 27. Above all. Sounds pretty important, doesn't it? It's like Paul is saying as he wrote to the church at Philippi. I've said a bunch of other stuff. And hopefully you heard that. But now I really want you to listen. That's, that's how I hear this. And he says, above all. You must live as citizens of heaven. I'm, I'm happy to be an American. And I'm grateful to live in the USA. But first and foremost, I'm not a citizen of this great country. And you're not either. First and foremost, I am a citizen of heaven. He says, above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. He says, then whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together. This is a good word just for the church, that we would stand together with one spirit, with one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. Standing together, one spirit, with one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. As I, as I take a moment and I ask the Lord to, to bless his word and to help me preach this message, would you, and I, and I mean this sincerely, would you take a moment, stretch your hands toward me and pray for me that I would say the right things, the things the Lord wants me to say. Father, I, I am so humbled by the opportunity to preach the word. And God, I know that with it comes a great weight of responsibility to, to be accurate to the scriptures, to be led by the Holy Spirit. And God, I just, with all the humility, all the obedience, Lord, I know how to give to you. God, I ask you to help me to say what only you would have me say. Lord, that you would help me to remove my opinions, opinions and biases, Lord. To speak the word faithfully and truthfully. God, to be used by you to communicate in a way, God, that isn't about a preacher or a person, 
but Lord, in a way that, that draws all of us, myself very much included, closer to you to look more like Jesus. And I pray it in his great name, Lifehouse said, amen, amen. One more time, can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise? Amen, amen. So the first selfie, anybody ever take a selfie? Raise your hand if you've taken a selfie. Yeah, come on, pretty much everybody needs to raise their hand. Um, I know people that, that take selfies every day. And uh, some of y'all in this room right now. <laughs> I, um, I, I did a little research this week, and I discovered that the first selfie was taken in 1839 by a man named Robert Cornelius. 1839 he he had a he had a camera that you know you, you like had to stand behind it and it had the big cover thing and you and you 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 do the you do the thing and then it does the thing and then the thing makes the picture right he had to say, come to find out he had to like stand in front of the camera as still as he could for almost 10 minutes in order for the image to process it, it, it's, it's wild and and as I was researching that it, it was it I kind of came along another line of, of information. And, you know, before really, maybe in the last hundred years, most people didn't really know what they looked like. Most people, you know, except for maybe about the last 100 years, uh, in order to see themselves, they had to look in, into water. They had to look to see themselves in a reflection of water. And the wealthy would have like a polished bronze mirror, but even that was a very, very poor reflection of what they actually look like. But today, we all know what we look like because we have selfie cameras on our phone. And we have mirrors that you can buy at Walmart for $7 that, that show us our full bodies. But, you know, before the, about the last 100 years, most people didn't really know what they looked like, which is why when you see old pictures, older pictures, most people never really smile in those pictures because they have no concept of, of trying to look their best for a picture. They just stand there like... You know, they don't suck in. They don't, you know, get a good angle, you know. And, and, and I did a little more digging, and I found out, I, I kind of found this out accidentally. 1999 was when... The first cell phone that had a selfie camera came out. 2002 is when the term selfie actually became a word. Before that, people wouldn't have known what you meant. And then in 2010, Apple released the iPhone 4, which most people think, you know, iPhone, they think the front-facing camera, but it wasn't until the iPhone 4 came out that the iPhone actually had a front-facing camera, as Android fans would say, Android's been doing it for years. You guys need to get out of that green bubble um, way of living. Really interesting. From 2011 to 2017, I tried to find a more current stat, but I couldn't because I guess people got depressed by it and they stopped looking for this information. From 2011 to 2017, 259 people died while trying to take a selfie. 259 people died from trying to take a selfie from 2011 to 2017. That is more than died from shark attacks. 
In other words, it was more dangerous to try to take a picture of yourself than to swim with sharks. <laughs> That's how I interpret that. So uh, next time you're, you know, trying to get the, the perfect angle, and, you, you know, just be careful because it could kill you. You guys take selfies often? Julie? Yeah? All the time? Yeah. I've come to the, the, the feeling that, now this isn't true, but I'm just trying to be funny, that unless you've got a new haircut, you shouldn't take a selfie. Right? You agree with that, AJ? Yeah, it's a good rule. Uh, I'm making everybody mad all at once. Like... If you also notice that maybe it's just me, maybe I'm just a really selfish person, which, you know, I probably am. But, like, if, you, if there's a group picture, like if this a picture of a few of you, and a few people, whether it be your family or friends or maybe just you and one other person, the first place you look is not at the scene, it's not the background, it's not the other people. The first place you're going to look at that picture when you see it is of yourself. You're going to see what you look like. And that picture... Being a good picture or a bad picture will rest solely on whether or not you like how you look in that picture. Everybody else might be picking their nose and blinking, but if you are looking good, you got it sucked in real good, and, and your, your eyes are open, and you're not doing anything weird with your face, and no, you know, no boogers hanging out, you, it's a good picture, right? I put a picture as my profile picture uh, a few months ago now, and I thought it was a great picture. I thought it was fantastic, and my wife texted me. She's like, what the heck are you doing posting that picture on Facebook and making it your profile picture? And I was like, it's a great picture. And she responded, yeah, of you, but my eyes are closed, and I'm doing this, and I don't know why you put it on Facebook. <laughs> it's a true story. True story. Really happened which made me even more want to have that as my Facebook profile picture. And then, what's up with the filters, right? You know, like, some of us, if we were to go missing, <laughs> you know where I'm going with this. They wouldn't even be able to locate us because every picture of us we have is so photoshopped up and the angle is so up here and makes all of our chins disappear and... And, and then there's, you know, so many Instagram filters on it that there's no picture of us out there that actually looks like we do anymore. Right? So today, with all of that useless information in mind, I want to preach a message that I'm calling, Say No to Selfie. Say No to Selfie. Now, now let me, let me, let me, explain it a little bit if you now you can take selfies I don't care if you take selfies I'll make fun of you but I'll do it behind your back so you won't know about it so it's okay right no I'll take selfies too um if you want to have joy how many in this room would like to have joy come on if you want to have real joy raise both your hands come on somebody now, how many of you know now happiness and joy are not the same thing right happiness happens by chance Joy happens by choice, right? How many of you want to have a fulfilled life? Come on. Like a real, 
meaning, fulfilled, purpose-filled life, then, then, then here's the truth. And it's counterintuitive, and quite honestly, it's countercultural. We have to start saying no to selfie. Now, I'm not talking about the pictures on your phone. I'm talking about the way we live our lives. I'm talking about the way we see ourselves and the way we see other people in this world. And here's what I'm saying. Joy is not found in looking inward. Have you ever noticed that the more you do to try to make yourself happy, the more you realize you're not happy? The harder you try to be happy, the more things you buy, the the more people you hang out with, the more stuff you do to try to make yourself happy, the more you will realize that none of that stuff is ever going to make you happy. And if you want to have real joy, not happiness, but joy, down in your heart, down in your heart. You got to stop looking inward you got to start looking outward and if you want to have real fulfillment like true purpose in your life most of the time when we want to be fulfilled and we want to have purpose we we try to do things that make us feel important right and we do Because that that makes sense in our logical, rational way of thinking. That if I want to be a person of purpose, then I need to do things that make me feel important. But but the, the opposite is what's actually true. That if you want to be a person of importance, instead of trying to make yourself feel important, you need to try to make other people feel important. If you want to be a person who's valued, don't try to make yourself valued. Try to make other people feel and know that they're valued. And, and so, that, that, I mean, really and truly, if you wanted to leave right now, please don't because it made me feel awkward. But if you want to leave right now, that's the message in a nutshell. <laughs> that if you want to have real joy, stop trying to make yourself happy and start trying to give joy. If you want to have real purpose, stop trying to find purpose and start being a person of purpose. And, and this is what Paul goes on and he says, and that was the end of chapter 1. And this is what he says going into chapter 2, starting at verse number 3. He says, don't be selfish, Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. So when the Bible tells us to do something, or when the Bible tells us not to do something, a lot of us have the feeling, I don't know if we would verbalize this, but I think a lot of times we think this, is that the reason the Bible says to not do this or to do this is because God wants us to be good little Christians. But can I tell you that's not true? The reason God would tell you to not do something or the reason God would tell you to do something is not because he wants you to be a good little boy or a good little girl. But it's because God really loves you. And it's because God really and truly wants the best for you. And the way God works and the way the kingdom of God works is almost always completely the inverse of the way the world works, right? You know, the way the world works says, you know, you got to go out and get it. you gotta, you got to look out for yourself. The world is a dog-eat-dog world out there, which I don't really understand what that means. I've never seen a dog eat another dog. But I've heard the phrase and I know what it means. But 
For God, God says, if you want to have joy, if you want to have purpose, if you want to have fulfilled life, don't be selfish. Don't look out for yourself. Look out for other people. He says, if you want to be a person that's important, don't try to be a person that's important. Instead, be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. And the reason God would tell us to not be selfish isn't because good little Christians aren't selfish, although I I do think that's true. But the reason God would say don't be selfish is because God wants you to have joy. And the reason God would say, you know, um, don't try to impress others isn't because that, that, that God doesn't want you to have a fulfilled life. It's because he does want you to have a fulfilled life. And so when God tells us to do something or not to do something, I want you to understand that it's not because God wants you to be a good person. That that sounds so weird, doesn't it? No, it's because God wants you to be a fulfilled person. It's because God wants you to be a person who has joy. Now, I'm not saying that God doesn't want you to be a good person. I hope you you didn't just hear that. Okay, good. Thank you, Catherine. I appreciate that. So I'm just going to take a few moments today, and I want to break down these verses and I want to explore a little bit about uh, what, what they're saying to us. You guys okay with that today? You okay if we, if we just do a little teaching today? All right. So the first thing he says is, don't be selfish. And so I got to do some research on what selfishness looks like. And, and because I don't know anybody that's selfish. Certainly nobody that would take a, selfie of themselves with their iPhone. I'm talking about me, okay? Come on, gosh, y'all help me out today, all right? Stop being so selfish with your laughter. Thank you. I'm here for another 40 minutes. So here are some traits of a person who's selfish. Now, I'm not here today to beat you up, but I am willing to bet that if we were all to be brutally honest with ourselves, we would find out that even if we don't think we're selfish people, and even if the people around us don't think we're selfish people, because ultimately, that's the true judge of selfishness, right? It's not so much what you think about yourself, it's what other people would say about you. So, so I'm not here to beat you up, I'm not here to, but, but I am willing to bet, even though I don't have anything to bet with, that if we were to be brutally honest with ourselves, we would find within us some traits of selfishness that we have yet to be aware of until today. So the, the first trait of selfishness is that, that if you're a selfish person, you, you might have the inability to show weakness or vulnerability. Now, another way that we might talk about this is we, we would say that you might be insecure. And because of your insecurity, you try to hide the insecurity with, with an overabundance of fake confidence. Amen. I appreciate that, amen. I need those. Anybody ever do that? You know, we we kind of fake it till we make it. You know, we're really insecure in the moment. So instead of of being open about, man, I just don't know. I just don't feel that great. We we compensate and we overcompensate by trying to come across very confident. Some might even say that we look cocky or arrogant. But the reality is, inwardly, we're scared to death of what everybody thinks about us. And so we're trying to make a positive impression. AJ gets it. Not just because of Julie. He's married to Julie. That's why he gets it. 
Right? Right. So one of the traits of a selfish person is you might have an inability to show weakness or vulnerability. Number two, a selfish person can't accept constructive criticism. Because if you have something to say about me that isn't 100% amazing, wonderful, loving, caring, and kind, that makes me feel really good about myself, then, then I can't hear it. Because any little bit of criticism, constructive criticism will destroy me because I care so much about what you think and what other people think. I can't, I can't take the constructive criticism. Number three, a selfish person is often entitled and you'll hear words like, that's not fair, or I deserve. I'm so glad life's not fair. Because if I got what I deserve, I wouldn't have any of the blessings that I have. Number four, a selfish person can't entertain different opinions than their own. Like, if you don't agree with me, then we, just, we can't even talk. If, you, if we can't see eye to eye 100% on everything, then, then we can't have a relationship. Number five, a selfish person is often critical of others behind their backs. Number six, a selfish person will often exaggerate their stories to make themselves look better to others. So pretty much all fishermen are selfish, <laughs> right? Has anybody else, I mean, I've never done this, but has anybody else ever told a story? Once again, I just want to reiterate, I've never done this. And like, it was just an, an inconsequential story, but after you got through telling the story, you look back at some of the stuff you said, and you thought, that wasn't exactly true. I kind of, I kind of stretched that out. I mean, I, like I said, I've never, I have never, I just, want to, I just want to make sure you understand, I have never done that before. And last, a selfish person will often refuse to take a risk because they cannot stand the idea of failing at something or not being good at something. And Paul says, don't be selfish. He goes on, he says, don't try to impress other people. I have discovered through firsthand experience that the quickest way to look dumb is to try to look cool. I'm going to say that again because some of y'all need to get saved and listen to it. I have discovered by firsthand experience, even as recent as this morning, that the quickest way to look dumb is to try to look cool. And the quickest way to not be funny is to try to be funny. I've, but, you know, that kind of makes me laugh, though, when people do that. Paul says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Instead, be humble. Be humble. You know, it's, it's kind of hard to define humility. But a, f a few thoughts on humility. Number one, humility, contrary to what many of us think, isn't thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. I, I, that's not new. I didn't coin that. I'm pretty sure C.S. Lewis wrote that about 70 years ago. 
But I'm just going to tell you how my mind has operated for way too long. I wouldn't consider myself a prideful person. Some of you might disagree, but that's okay. My feelings aren't hurt too bad. But the truth of the matter is, when I'm being brutally honest with myself, I am very prideful often. And this is why. It's because I have learned and am learning that that pride is, is a spectrum of thought. Follow me here now, okay? We often define pride as being... Um, overconfident in oneself, having an overly positive opinion of oneself, right? So, so what a lot of us, myself included, for so much of my life, what we do instead of living up that definition of pride is we live in this other definition of what we're just going to call false humility, so instead of thinking overly positive about ourselves or overly confident in ourselves, we are actually demeaning towards ourselves. Our inner talk and our inner conversation with ourselves is one that is overly negative and overly hateful towards ourselves. So we would say, there's no way I'm prideful because I don't believe these things about myself. I believe these things about myself. Anybody, anybody ever live in that kind of a, a thought life at all? Anybody or my totally by myself today. Julie's with me. I got one right here. Anybody else? We got one in the back. Okay, the rest of you, just, just pay attention for, for the sake of my pride. So what we do is we define pride as, as, as thinking overly good about yourself and we define humility as thinking overly bad about ourselves. But, but, but here's the problem with that. No matter whether you are prideful or humble, you're still thinking about yourself. You're still thinking about yourself. And what God does is he says, and and through Paul, he says, uh, you know, be humble. So in other words, it's not about whether you think good about yourself or whether you think bad about yourself. It's that you stop thinking about yourself so much. You know, Moses said about himself, that he was the most humble man to ever live. Isn't that weird? Guys, check it out. Everybody, everybody listen up. Most humble man that ever lived, right here. That seems so weird, right? And there's a few schools of thought. One of them is Moses didn't write that, which is possible. But another school of thought is that Moses did write it, And he was able to write it truthfully and faithfully because humility isn't about what you think about yourself. It's about what you know about yourself in light of who God is. So Moses could say about himself, I'm the most humble man that ever lived because I know who God is and I know who I am in his presence. I know how big he is and I know how small I am. It's not about how I see myself, whether I'm a good person or whether a bad person, but it's how I see God and who God is. And in the light of who God is, I am super insignificant and I am just thankful that he lets me be a small part of his plan. Aren't you thankful that you get to be, even if it is a small part, a part of his plan? Amen. Whose kid is that? You can only say that when it's yours. Do you hear that preacher? 
talking about that baby in service? He goes on and he says in verse 4, look out for others, not just yourself. Or look out for the interest of others, not just the interest of yourself. Jesus gave us a parable in the Gospel of Luke, and we call it the parable of the Good Samaritan. But what's really cool about that story is, and we can apply it to this passage of Scripture, is that others isn't just people we like. It isn't just people that we get along with. It certainly isn't just people that can repay us or reciprocate the favor that we may have given them. But it's anybody and everybody that God puts in our path so that we can be a blessing to them. Look out for others, not just for yourself. And then verse five, fun fact, Philippians 2, 5 through 11 is the passage of scripture I preached my very first sermon out of and it had nothing to do with what we're talking about today I totally proof texted it and made a sermon that really wasn't theologically accurate you know but that's what you do when you're 15 and you never preached before sometimes that's what you do when you're 36 and you've preached a bunch but that's neither here nor there Paul says you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had and that's what it means to be a Christian right you know, the, the word Christian means little Christ. It means to, to, to be like Jesus, to be who Jesus is. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father." So, we've talked a little bit about, you know, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. But what is the example that Jesus gives us? This is super basic. I understand that. But, you know, I could preach messages and have and hopefully will again. You know, we'll make you shout, make you say amen, make you clap your hands. But sometimes we just have to really get very basic with the word and say, okay, God, Monday's coming. Help me to not be selfish. Help me not to look out only for my own interests. And Lord, help me to be more like Jesus in my everyday, going to work, going to school, living with my family, doing stuff with my friends kind of life. And the first example Jesus gives us is we, we have to think of others. We have to think of others. You know, you and I have always existed in the heart and the mind of Christ. 
and, and Jesus coming to this world and living a perfect life and, and dying in the place of each one of us was not plan B, as a lot of people often think it was. It, you know, it's like Adam and Eve were in the garden and they ate of the fruit and then all of a sudden was, God was like, oh no, what are we going to do now? That's not how it went down. It wasn't a surprise. It, it, Peter even says in 1 Peter, he says, before the foundations of the world were even laid, Christ had been sacrificed for our sin. Now he obviously, in the scope of human time, you know, because time is a construct that God made, God is not bound by time or space, but in the scope of our time, you know, 2,000 years ago, that's when Jesus came. But as far as God, who is eternal, is concerned, before the world even existed, as we know it today, Jesus had given up his life so that we could be freed from sin. And the reason why is because we are on his mind. Now, I just want to tell you something very true and very honest and and I hope you're not mad at me about it but most of my days are spent thinking about how I can make my life better like not consciously not in that moment am I thinking to myself okay Drew how can we make Drew's life better but most of my thoughts revolve around me my life my day my week my month my year my needs my wants you guys are making me feel really bad today I'm just gonna be honest with you because all of y'all are looking at me like, my gosh, how is this dude a pastor? <laughs> but the example of Jesus that I am learning from and that we should all learn from is that we need to start making it a priority to think about the needs of others. Not just the people that are close to us, not just the people that we like, but any and everybody that we come into contact on a daily basis. The second thing that Jesus gives us an example of, he thinks about others, but he also serves others. One of my favorite moments in the Gospels happens in John 13 when Jesus takes a towel and a bucket of water and he redefines what greatness looks like. This is the God of all creation stooping down on his hands and knees to wash the feet of his disciples if you if you haven't read it or if you haven't read it lately i encourage you go back to john 13 and let jesus show you why you and i are never above serving anybody probably the most impressive thing to me isn't that Jesus washed the feet of Peter and John or Bartholomew or Matthew? But Jesus, while on his hands and feet, and remember, there's no, there's no indoor plumbing, there's no paved roads. You, you, you understand what's on these guys' feet, right? There's no automobiles that the worst pollution, you know, comes out of an exhaust pipe. There's, there's donkeys and Horses and their pollution is very different and much more solid. <laughs> Jesus is washing their feet. But probably the most amazing to me, the thing to me, is that Jesus washes the feet of Judas, who in just a few hours 
will betray him to execution. And he gives us this great example of what it truly looks like to serve others. And it's not just about serving people who have your best interest in mind. It's about serving those who don't. Anybody ever been part of a a foot washing service? Man, there's some of the most powerful moments I've ever been part of. Maybe we should do one right now. Everybody? (laughs) You know, the world and the culture of the world and the logic of the world, it defines greatness by how many people we can get to serve us, right? But Jesus defines greatness by how many we serve. Jesus said, if you want to be first, you've got to make yourself last. If you want to be great, you have to make yourself small. If you want to be a big deal, make yourself no deal. Make others a big deal. And Jesus paints us this picture. We can either be selfish people or we can be people of significance. The third thing that Jesus does is he sacrifices for others. I mean, this this is what it looks like to be a citizen of heaven, right? Not a citizen of America, not a citizen of the world. You know, as a citizen of the United States of America and as a citizen of the world, my, 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 whatever, I can't think of the word. Somebody help me out. I want to take care of myself. I want to take care of my family. I want to make sure that we're protected. I want to make sure that we're safe. Can I just tell you a story without coming across as like I'm bragging because I'm certainly not bragging. I'm just really grateful that, that I can tell the story. Some of you have heard it before. If you have, just act surprised. But when me and my family first moved to Oak Ridge to be the pastors of LifeHouse, we had been very blessed financially by our former church and by many different people as we made that transition and moved to Oak Ridge. And we took a large sum of money, at least large for me. For some of y'all, it wasn't that big. But for me, it was huge. For me and my wife, it was, it was a lot of money. And we put it in a savings account. And this is what we said to ourselves. When the day comes, because it wasn't for, in our mind, it wasn't a matter if, it was really just a matter of when. When the day comes and the church can't pay us anymore, we will have this savings and we'll be able to live a few months on it. And if you were part of the church, I need to cough, but I don't want to in this microphone. <coughs> oh, that was bad. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I am so sorry. Please forgive me. Wow, this is such a weird day. (laughs) Echoes and congestion. Anyway, what was I saying, Julie? Yeah, okay, thank you. I'm trying to preach the sermon you wrote for me, so. If you don't like it, it's Julie's fault. So we put the money in savings, we had it there, and we thought to ourselves, you know, when the time comes when the church can't pay us anymore, we will have this to to live off of for a few months. And um, as the year um, 
ended in the, the it, would, it would have begin, been the beginning of 2018. I was, I was doing what, what every good Christian does at the beginning of the new year. I was starting in Genesis to read the whole Bible through beginning to end. How many of you guys are part of our Lifehouse Church reading plan on version? How many of you are up to date with it right now? How many of you are two weeks behind and you're the pastor of the church? Okay, cool, 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 cool. I'm just being vulnerable and honest right now, showing you how unselfish I am. Look at me, I'm so humble. But as I was reading through the beginning of Genesis and and Noah comes off the ark and and he, he, you know, he sees the rainbow and God says to him, you know, for as long as the earth lasts, there will be, there will be seed time and harvest, right? That, that's, if you remember, that's what one of the things that God says to him. And the Holy Spirit spoke as clearly as I have ever heard him speak to me. And he said, if you want to have a harvest, you first have to plant a seed. And we had been praying some really big prayers about this church and what we believe God wanted to do in and through Lifehouse and through our community. But the hard reality was we were barely able to keep the lights on because we were so strapped financially. And it's hard to do ministry when you don't have enough money to even pay the electric bill. And I thought, man, okay, what does that mean for me? And I felt, and I... It was so scary in that moment the Lord said, you're holding, on to, you're holding on to your seed right now instead of planting it. And I thought, okay, God, I can't do that. Like, what about my family? What about us? What about, what about our needs? What about, because, you know, I, I don't, that's, that's, I need this. This is for me. This is for my family. This is for, you know, we ended 2017 with 12 or $23 in the bank. I need, I need, to, I need to hold on to this money for myself. And some of you were here, and you remember, I, I did a thing called Seed Offering Sunday. We, we talked about it for several, mo- or several weeks leading up to it. And most of you, if I'm being honest, most of you weren't even part of the church at that time. I believe that you're, you, are, you are here today as a result of that Sunday in a lot of ways. And many people in the church gave that day. And I was so grateful for that. And I even almost talked myself out of giving that day because I thought, wow, everybody else is giving. Maybe I don't have to give what I was going to give. Me and Kristen, we wrote a check, one of the biggest checks we'd ever wrote in our life. We drained our savings account. We invested it into the church, into the kingdom. And even now, looking back to this day, that seems like the moment things really begin to take off in our church. Because we learned and are learning and will continue to learn that if you want to be blessed, you have to be a blessing. And that the more you choose to give, the more God will give back to you. Jesus gave us that example in a much more costly way when he gave up his life so that you and I could have life, real life, eternal life, because he sacrificed for others. And then lastly, Jesus, he lived for the glory of God. Don, if you want to come. In Isaiah, we're we're painted a picture 
And it's kind of a, it's kind of mysterious, but we're painting a picture of what it looked like when Satan rebelled against God. It's, it's a little different, it's a little strange, it's a little odd. But ultimately, five different times, Satan says, or Lucifer says, I will. I will be greater than the Most High. I will ascend the mountain of God. I will set my throne above the throne of God. And so ultimately, the sin that had him expelled from the presence of God was the sin of pride. It was the sin of him exalting himself above God. But what's interesting is we see the exact opposite of that in the life of Jesus who in the Garden of Gethsemane is praying to the Father knowing that the cross is just a few moments away. And he prays, Lord, and I'm paraphrasing this because this is how I would have prayed it. Well, I don't want to do this. Can I tell you that Jesus did not want to go to the cross? Because he knew what that was going to look like, what that was going to feel like, what that was going to entail. And he said, Lord, if there is any other way we can do this whole thing, you know, the whole salvation, redemption, save all mankind thing, if there's another way, let's, let's try that. Let's try that way. There's got to be another way, right? The way he actually said it, let this cup pass through me, this cup of suffering. Let it, let it pass through me. But the way he ends his prayer is the complete opposite of what we hear Lucifer say in Isaiah. He says, not I will, or let not my will, but thy will be done. Ultimately, that's what it really means to be a citizen of heaven. Not my will. Thy will be done. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, we pray it like this. Not, and we don't say these exact words, but this is what we're saying. Not my will, but your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, Lord, I'll give what you want me to give. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll say what you want me to say. I'll encourage who you tell me to encourage. I will affirm who you tell me to affirm. I'll bless who you tell me to bless. Because ultimately, I don't belong to me. I belong to you. I just want to encourage you today. 
Not because God wants you to be a good little Christian. That is not God's plan for your life. To be a good little boy or girl. No, God wants you to be a world changer. And the only way you can be a world changer is if you are a person who is not of this world. The only way you can change earth is if you live from heaven. The only way you can impact today is if you live for eternity. God is not concerned with you being good little boys and girls. God is concerned with you living a joy-filled, peace-lived, purpose-filled life on earth as if you were in heaven, living on earth from heaven with the power of heaven so that you can make a difference for heaven. So God, I'll give what you tell me to give. I will go where you tell me to go. I will do what you tell me to do. I will, I will serve where you tell me to serve. In fact, maybe you should just say, I'll serve where there's a need. You ask people, will you help us in the nursery? Oh, let me pray about it. I was going to be like, really? You need to pray about that? Or you just need to say yes? Some of y'all are like, stop talking about me like that. Will you stand with me this morning? With every head bowed and every eye closed, nobody looking around. For some of you in this room, though, this all sounds well and good, but... Your situation is a little different because you haven't yet received what Jesus has done for you. You haven't received Him serving you, Him giving Himself up for you, Him sacrificing Himself on the cross so that you could receive new life, joy-filled life, peace-filled life, purpose-filled life. And today, before we need to talk about you serving and you giving and you going, you first and foremost need to receive what Jesus has done for you. And can I just tell you today that He loves you where you are, that He loves you like you are, He loves you just as you are, but He also loves you too much to leave you like He found you. He wants to change you. The Bible says He wants you to be born again. Not of this world, but born again of heaven. And so today, if, if you would like to commit your life to Christ or possibly even recommit your life to Christ, to receive the joy, the peace, the purpose that only He can give, Right where you are, I won't call you out, I won't make you come forward, but right where you are, if that's you, would you lift your hand high in the air so I can pray for you right now? I see you, bro. I see you, ma'am. I see you, friend. Maybe you're joining us online for Lifehouse in your house. Maybe you're watching later. Today, if you want to receive the Lord, you don't have to do anything fancy. You don't, have to, you don't have to join a church. You don't have to sign a card. All you have to do is ask Him to make you new again.
church, would you pray this prayer with me? Everybody, would you pray this prayer with me? Dear Jesus, thank you for dying for me so that I can live for you. Thank you for forgiving me of every sin I've ever committed. Thank you for giving me new life to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we praise the Lord for these men and women? I also want to ask you for the rest of us in the room and for those who just prayed this prayer today your prayer is Lord I'll give what you tell me to give I'll go where you tell me to go I'll do what you tell me to do I'll help who you tell me to help bless who you tell me to bless not because looking out for me but because I want to be used by you how many of you want to be used by the Lord come on all across the room I want to be used by the Lord you want me to tell you how to be used by the Lord don't be selfish don't live to impress other people instead be humble don't be focused on what you do great don't be focused on what you do bad just in fact just try not to focus on yourself at all Focus on how you can lift others up. Focus on how you can encourage others. Listen, if you want to be encouraged, be an encourager. If you want to be valued, add value to other people. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others as well. One more time. How many of you want to be used by the Lord? Man, I want to be used by Him. Can we just take a few moments and worship Him? And allow Him to just do a work in our hearts so that when we leave this place, we are more than ever before ready and willing and able to be used by Him to love this world that He has called us to love. Can we do that for just a few moments?